0: Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us about your wild conspiracies. It's on. It's now. It's here. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 94.9 KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader.
1: We're going to try something today. By the way, welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Uh, We've had some issues with one of our microphones here. Right now, Steve is sitting right in front of that microphone, so Steve... Sibilance. Sibilance. How does that sound? It sounds good. Oh, good. Although, I don't know what you just... Sibilance? Sibilance. It's... Uh,
2: I don't know. it was a word we used to joke around La- using to test the microphone. Laura Hessen is
1: with us. Laura, <laughs> do you have any idea what sibilance is? I do not. I don't either. I think you you
2: All right, sorry. My, sibilance my with a B? Yeah, with a B. Hmm, I'll, that- okay, I'll look it up while we're, we're checking, because I don't... <laughs> okay. I, I, it was just something we always used to joke with, because it has you know you're, you he has s's and
1: it's yeah, okay. you don't want to pop your peas and, right. <laughs> and oh, sorry. That's right. That's a radio thing. Yeah, for sure. Steve is radio trained, by the way, and actually <laughs> oh, trained. I don't actually, know trained hosted, the hosted right this word. show not that long ago, a couple months ago. Yeah,
2: yeah. I tried to I tried to help you out a little bit. And I appreciate that. Unfortunately, your listeners were uh, patient with me,
1: so <laughs> <laughs> we have we have great listeners on the Andy Griffin show. So we're talking schools today. Washington County School District Board Member Laura Heston is with us today. Laura, thanks for coming in.
3: Yeah, thank you very much for having us.
1: It's uh, it's uh, great to have you here. We have had uh, have we had almost every board member on now, Steve? Over? Not yet. I think we're we're still uh,
2: we still have a couple that I'm trying to get into the studio. I want okay. to get in uh, Becky Dunn as well as Lorraine Cox, and and,
1: and they both actually been on the show at different times or another uh, with the different things that they're involved in. They Good. Just, they just haven't been on as a board member. I don't. think. Yes. Yes. So. But, uh, yeah, I have actually met both of them. Uh, great people, as, uh, as I'm sure we're going to learn about Laura is, as, as well. How long have you been on the school board, Laura?
3: I have been on the school board since 2005. So okay. it's been a little bit. I've seen a lot yeah, of growth. I've sure. seen a lot of changes. Um, we went actually from a five-member board to a seven-member board when I joined. Okay. So.
1: Now, I've I, I got to ask you right up front. I have a sister who has the same name as you, L A U R A. She prefers Laura. Uh, but sometimes I call her Laura just because I'm irritating little brother, and I do that. Uh, do you, Laura? Laura? Does it matter to you? Or? It doesn't matter
3: to okay. me. It actually kind of depends on what part of the country you're from.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. Who, who who calls you Laura? Is that the South or uh,
3: more of the Midwest? My parents okay. actually more call me Laura, but my brother calls me Laura. Oh,
1: awesome. So. Well, cool. That's that's cool. And did you prefer Steve or Steve a?
2: Yeah, Steve A. <laughs> With a P-H and an F and, and <laughs> anything else you could throw in there.
1: Steve Dunham is the Washington County School District <coughs> Communications Director. Uh, you guys had a board meeting, was it last night? Yes, yes, last yesterday night. afternoon. Yesterday afternoon. Awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that you talked about in your board meeting, but let's start out talking about this foundation Uh it doesn't seem like there's enough money to go around with schools, and so you guys are trying to help out a little bit.
2: That's true. So so in addition to the, uh, the board meeting yesterday afternoon, yesterday morning, we held our first foundation school board. Or it's the Washington County School District Foundation board meeting. Okay. And I have... Uh, 11 board members made up from members of the community, business members in the community that are trying to help us raise funds for our students. So
1: these aren't school board
2: members, these no. are
1: foundation board members.
2: Foundation board well, you- members and, and they met with us yesterday morning. We approved three new members joining our foundation board and, and that's exciting because these are business members that are cared about, they care about our community, they care about the children and they want to see them succeed. And the goal is to raise money so we can help improve student learning in the classroom. So it helps the teachers, it helps the children. It really does both. And, and it's... It's really exciting when you can bring the community together for this cause.
1: Have you, have you set some goals with your board on, on how much money you want to raise but, and where it's going to go?
2: You know, definitely. We Our, our, our primary focus is our, our teacher grants. We mm-hmm. can make the biggest impact in student learning by getting money into the classroom. So a teacher will go to a professional development, for example. They'll see a fun way to teach a, a concept to students but they may not have all the materials needed for that. That's where our foundation comes in. We'll give the teacher a grant for up to $500 where they can buy those materials. They can make the the learning fun for kids. I know a lot of our math teachers are doing mystery escape rooms for the kids where they solve a problem, they get a number, that number's a combination, that's one more lock removed from the mystery escape room. Those are some of the fun things happening with learning that we help fund through the foundation. And we have our golf tournament coming up here in just a, uh, a few weeks, the end of September on the 24th, up at the Ledges Golf Course. And we're, we're hoping to bring in about $85,000 with that. Wow. Hey,
3: Steve, maybe you want to mention about how many grants we um, gave out last year to the teachers.
2: You know, thank you. That It is really exciting because last year we gave away 768 grants to teachers, totaling more than $350,000. Wow. And so that's, that's really kind of, as you talk about goals, that's where we've kind of set the bar. We, we would love to see that happen again. And so we'll be having teachers apply for grants here in just a, a few weeks. And uh, uh, we try and keep it a simple process where they can just tell us how they're going to help improve student learning in the classroom. And then we have a grant committee made up of our foundation board members who are going to go through and review all those grants and uh, assign who, can, who we can help out.
3: The, the foundation board members are amazing. They, they just give so much of their time and resources to the foundation, to the students of this county. It's absolutely a wonderful foundation. We appreciate them very much. It's all
2: volunteer work. They, they don't get paid a penny for that. It is all how they can make a difference in the classroom. They are such good business members in our community.
3: And if you've ever been in a classroom when a teacher gets a grant, it's the most exciting thing for them. They are so thrilled.
1: Tears. Tears. Sometimes okay. tears. Yeah. Tears for
3: just a couple hundred dollars that well, they are so happy about.
1: And if you think about a teacher, my dad, by the way, was a professional educator for 35 plus years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about the time they put in, but but they throw in the stuff that they don't get credit for, like uh, they buy a certain, uh, uh, my dad was a science teacher, so he'd, he'd get science experiments and he'd pay for them himself. Exactly. Yeah. So many yep. teachers do that. They'll pay out of their own pocket yep. and
2: and we don't want that to happen. It, you know, we talk about how teacher pay is is low and we've tried to make inroads on that so that we're not horrible, but uh, again, we we really tried to get to where we can help
1: teachers um, uh, in the classroom. Your, your mic is weird. It was all fuzzy on us, sounding strange, and then uh, I went and touched it. It didn't do anything, and then I got back to my spot, and your mic stopped being fuzzy. And it's good but to begin? We, we might have to move you to the other room here Understood. In, in a minute if we if we have some more issues with that particular microphone. We got got the engineer working on it, and he said he worked on it and thought he had it fixed, but... You know how it is with electronics. Oh, yeah. there's, there's You can never guess how it's, when it's going to come in and go out. And I can hear a little bit right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So Foundation is off the ground. You guys have some fundraising events. Uh, what if I don't play golf but I still want to help out? Is there something I can do? There is. I, through our website, we
2: have... Uh, business partners even community members families that want to direct sponsor a classroom they can do that so they can directly fund a classroom grant Hmm. on their own and anybody can be a philanthropist that's how we have it set up you can be a philanthropist for just a few hundred dollars And you can sponsor a classroom. You can direct which teacher it goes to, which subject it goes to, which school it goes to. But we can focus it down specifically to the classroom if the family wants to. If they just want to help a specific school or if they just want to help a specific group of kids, we can do that as well. Awesome.
1: I, I, I joke around. I, I actually went to kindergarten uh, six times. I went once myself and then with each of my five kids, I was in there once a week helping kids learn how to read and stuff like that. And, and so I'm really uh, a big supporter of you know, parents helping out, finding ways. If you can't be there in person, I mean, I, I was lucky enough. I worked nights and weekends. I could come in uh, in the morning and help out or, or in the early afternoon and, and help out. I know a lot of parents, that's not realistic. They have, you know, you got an 8 to 5 or, a, a, you know, a 7 to 7 type job or whatever, and you can't help out. But you could help out financially or in other ways for sure.
2: That is, the, that is one of the things that makes the biggest difference in a child's education is to have uh, a parent that is willing to help out. With their, it, whether it's in the classroom or whether it's just at home. And, in fact, Laura knows about this. She, she works so closely with the PTA. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you help out there?
3: Yeah, th- this community is absolutely amazing for uh, parent involvement. They they do so much to help in their child's classroom and then thereby helping other students. I got involved in PTA many, many years ago. Um, just wanted to help my own kids. Mm-hmm. but through that process then began to help other kids and saw the value in that and believed in you know that that's the best thing that we can do is help all these children in this community to progress and to succeed so they become productive members for in in our area um so yeah i've been involved in pta for a long time still continued to do so as some people would say was a little bit silly after all my kids graduated yeah but i just loved it so much just being in the schools and helping the students and being there with the teachers, that it was just very fulfilling for me, and and then being a part of the board as well to be able to help on that aspect. So it's just this community is really great at getting in the classroom. You know, they say that Utah is the lowest funded um, per student in the nation, but we really do try to make up for it in parent involvement, and that's what really helps get us through.
1: such a huge difference. I wanted to ask you, Uh, say the parents are too busy or whatever, they can't get involved. I I know a lot of our listeners are older. Uh, How about grandparents? I mean, is that something you guys encourage and and would like?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We do have grandparents that volunteer in the schools, even just for a couple hours. Um, As far as parents, maybe, that are working from 8 to 5 and unable to help during the day, I totally get that, and there's more and more of that just because of the housing costs and living costs and raising a family, it just is requiring more and more families to work two incomes. Um, They could just work with their teacher. There's things that can be done at home as well, even if it's just cutting out things for the elementary kids. A teacher can't sit and cut out 25 or 30 different little projects, but a parent at home maybe could
1: help cut that out. That's awesome. Yeah, get the parents involved any way they can, right, Steve? Exactly, exactly. That's really the truth. I think it, you can back me on this or maybe disagree, but I, you know, if you look at... I know you're involved with Sterling Scholar Programs and some of the, the students that really excel. Uh, I would say 99% of those kids that excel have parents who are right there working with them, helping them, encouraging them, doing whatever it is a parent can do to try to, to help that person succeed. Very rarely is a kid going to make it on their own. They need some help.
2: That's really the truth. They, they really do need that support mechanism. Mm-hmm. To give them that, uh, that backup that if they can fall back on, they can, they can rely on their parents to give them that little bit of boost, that support, that encouragement to get through. Because I'm getting to the stage where my kids know more than me. They come home with their homework and I'm pretty well useless. I mean, <laughs> let's face reality, I, I, I am. And so uh, I, I have to support
1: in other ways because I know I can't always help with the homework, but yeah. I can help in other ways. I I know what you're talking about. I have my, my fifth now. My last one is a senior in high school. Oh, good. And some of the stuff she's studying, I'm like, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got, I got nothing for you, sweetheart. Sorry about that. So, uh, but actually, she's actually taking some college classes too, which.
2: And so you can provide a pat on the back and an arm and a hug when it's tough. And, and there
1: you go. I told her, I said, I did go to college, but it was in the 80s, and things were a little different back then. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, we're talking at schools today with uh, Steve Dunham from the school district and with Laura Hessen, who is a school board member. Laura, what inspired you to get involved in in all this? Uh, I mean, we talk about parental support and stuff, but uh, it's not realistic necessarily for every parent to give as much as you have given.
3: And and that is true. And what inspired me to get involved really was working in the PTA. That really helped me to uh, see a need of parent involvement and being able to be that parent voice for others. You know, we talk about parents that aren't able to get in the classroom. That doesn't mean that they don't want to be involved in their child's education. They certainly do. They just may not have the resources or the time. But if we can kind of be that extra person to help them, Um, that benefits everyone, and it benefits our community. We want to have all of these children succeed. And so, you know, for me, getting involved is about helping everybody, helping all the children be able to do their best.
1: Do do you feel like you have less effect or more effect now that you're up kind of at the higher level? You're a board member as opposed to a, a classroom volunteer or something like that. Do you have more influence or less?
3: Well, I would say from a board standpoint... I would hope that it would be a little bit more um, than being in the classroom, but I always relate back to the classroom, always relate back to being to that parent and what's happening in the classroom at that time, Um, because I think that just provides that reality base so that we're not so far removed from making decisions that influence teachers and students and families that as a board member, um, I know what's happening at the ground
1: level. Mm -hmm. Awesome, uh, Steve. Is your mic on over there? push the red button on mic one. Oh. Yes, you're oh, good. All right. Oh, you're good. Good, good, good. Good to hear your voice, <laughs> man. We had to re- relocate Steve. Put him in the other studio because that mic was just uh, just awful. It's so. adapt and overcome, right? Exactly. There we exactly. go. Exactly. You're our Sterling Scholar for today. Oh, thank you. That's today. so kind. You. <laughs> All right. That's uh, obviously the hot topic right now. Uh, I did a news story this morning. Uh, over the Labor Day weekend, there were a total of 4,600 new COVID cases in this in the state of Utah. 1,100 of those were school aged children that had to obviously come up in the board meeting last night. Thoughts, you guys? Well, you know, uh, we get an update regularly from the health department. We're, we're in very
2: close depart, uh, contact with them, mm-hmm. and, and we're sharing data. As, as we get calls in from parents, we will put that in our attendance sheets and share that information with the health department so they can confirm those numbers, and so that we can have the most accurate count that we, we can, and so that we can provide uh, notifications to the parents so that they can make the ch- decisions that are best for them. And so right now, I believe the numbers are, we have about 50 cases in in Washington County School District. Out of
1: how many students again? Out of a a little more than 35,000. We're knocking on the door,
2: 36,000.
1: Yeah. So that number is... is I'm going to say it's relatively small. It's, it's not insignificant, but it's a very small number.
2: It, it is a small number. It is. I think it is higher than where we were last year at this time, hmm. so it is not insignificant. We, we we shouldn't minimize that, but yes, it, it is out there, and it, it is in our community, and we need to be aware and, and do what we can to just be safe wherever. You know, Again, we are always encouraging that if your child is sick, whether it's COVID or anything, keep them home. Uh that's how we can reduce transmission throughout our community and we can keep our classrooms safe for everybody.
1: Laura, right, reaffirm the numbers for us again. If it's 30 in 1 school, Correct. then the school would be shut down, is that right?
3: Correct. Or, or they would do a testing to be able to, you know, stay. Um, as what Steve said though, we just want everyone to be safe to do what they feel is best. Um, we do our numbers are a little bit higher than they were last year. It's a different it's a variant. It's a different mm-hmm kind of virus now and so you know it's affecting people differently we just need to be aware and we need to be cautious and do what's best and safe for kids
1: have you as part of the board have the board gotten some pushback on the whole mask thing where it's been you know they they basically made it illegal to mandate wearing masks have there been parents that have come to you that have said well this is a mistake we we've got to have masks
3: I would say yes. There's yeah. been parents that have come. There's parents on both sides. Mm-hmm. It's such a polarized issue. It sure is. <laughs> um, which is unfortunate as far as the kids are concerned, because we're trying to do what's best for the kids. Right. We're not trying to be political about it. We're not trying to, um, you know, be one way or the other. But just keep kids in the classroom and as safe as possible.
1: You know, it's interesting, yesterday I had a guy on, he was a psychologist, We're were talking about remote working, people who, uh, and obviously it's not realistic for a teacher at this point, but uh, people who can work from home and, and turning their home environment into a place that's a productive work environment. And uh, the, the psychologist, the doctor was actually encouraging, he said, this is a good thing. We found that people are actually more productive if they work in an office in their home or even an extra room in their home than they are if they come in to work and he said so we actually encourage remote work and then i was thinking that's funny because that's the opposite of what we've been doing with schools we actually encourage in-person learning versus remote so it's kind of steve the opposite you know i i think it is the opposite and i think that's because
2: as children are developing they need that social interaction Mm -hmm. they need that face-to-face communication with an adult with their peers it makes a huge difference in the learning process we found very rapidly when, when things were shut down those a year and a half ago almost mm-hmm. that um, there was there was a big drop off in achievement in learning and and people struggled trying to adapt to that new way of learning and and maybe it can be done, maybe it just takes a period of adaptation. We have definitely put a significant amount of funds towards helping our teachers become better as remote educators, so that we're prepared in that eventuality. But the reality is, is that students, we saw drop-off in the learning. And when we brought them back, we saw an increase. And we were able to regain whatever was lost and really make some, some big growth last year by being open full-time, five days a week, in-person instruction. Uh, the, go, go
3: the great thing about Washington County is though, is that the parents, students have options. They have all kinds of options as to whether they want to be in person or actually online. If online is better for them and their family for a particular situation or even all students learn differently. So some students might do just fine online and some students will do much better in the classroom. Um, We have those opportunities for all the students. They can choose what they want to do. That's best for them and their family.
1: I'm going to ask you to speculate if you don't want to say, I don't want to, but, but I'm going to ask you this question and it's too early to tell for sure, but do you feel like there was some permanent damage done to our kids because of the lockdown for a while? And because of the having to wear masks to school where they couldn't, I I know in my own family, my daughter was like, yeah, we don't, I don't talk to my friends anymore. We don't, we don't really socialize anymore because we are wearing masks all day. Do you guys feel like there has been some permanent damage done? I, I personally don't feel like there was permanent damage done.
2: I feel like there was some damage done. And I feel like that we have tried to correct that damage, both mm. on the learning side and the social and emotional side. I know that when we first went into lockdown, we saw an uptick in suicide attempts in our school district. Yeah. And that was very heartbreaking for us as adults to see children struggle in that way. And uh, and so it did hurt some kids more than others. And, and they were they were. In in a sense, we provide, a, we'll look at it this way. We provide a safe environment for children to learn. Right. And sometimes those children don't have a safe environment at home. And so their one safe place is school. And we try and provide that. We try and, and and create that for everybody. And and that their only place to relax and feel safe was at school. And they didn't have that for a period of time. So some people it did hurt, I'm sure.
1: All right. And,
3: and while well, I would agree with that, um, I also think that, um, students as part of, part of their growing and learning process is learning how to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And being face to face with people is part of learning how to talk to one another. You know, a lot of times we see these teenagers sit next to each other and I'm, of course, generalizing, but mm-hmm. sitting next to each other and they're texting each other as they're sitting there.
1: Yeah, I've seen that so, <laughs> in my own home. <laughs> right. And it's so much better.
3: It's part of a skill to learn how to talk to people, and that's part of what we're also
1: teaching by being in school. It's weird. I mean, the whole dynamic has changed so much. Like I said, we were talking about remote working, and there it's there's a very real possibility that this – Child that we're talking about, trying to figure out or teach them how to communicate, they may get a job and not have to go to work. They may be working at home and not really have to communicate except through texting and and instant messaging and stuff. It's the whole. I guess the whole world's a little different, isn't it?
3: Well, and also though part of that early brain development is uh-huh. is learning and you know learning how to speak, learning letter recognition and numbers and sounds and all of that develops so early on that they need those communication skills at the beginning.
1: True. My, my sister is, uh, is a para, is that what you call it? She, mm-hmm. she, She's a, a teacher's aide. Basically, she helps kids with reading. And uh, she said that when, you know, when we came back to school last year but had the mask and stuff, she said it was so hard to teach these kids to how to read when they couldn't see her lips and she couldn't see their lips. It was a real challenge. And uh, fortunately, right now, anyway, they can see each other.
0: We're interactive on the Andy Griffin Show. Call in in at 673-5890 or text in at 435-467-5842. Let your voice be heard on the Andy Griffin Show.
1: Welcome back. I'm Andy live from the Camping World of St. George Studios along with Laura Heston, who is a school board member of the Washington County School District and... We kicked him out of our studio, but he's here too, Steve Dunham. Hi, Steve. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you uh, being on the show today. Uh, we were talking a, a, a little bit about COVID-19, and uh, you guys kind of have your hands tied, right? As far as masks and, and vaccines and stuff, there's really not a lot you can do, even even if you wanted to, to change something, right?
3: That is correct. The legislature has, um, and the governor signed into law that we cannot mandate masks.
1: Okay. What what about the vaccines? Any any mandates on it? Any, any word from above on that? You know, really, no. There, there's nothing we can do. The only thing
2: we can do is work closely with the health department and follow their lead. They're the experts on this, and so if the health department comes to us and says, hey... We need to do something. They have to enact that, and they would have to get the approval of our our city council, or not our city, our county, our county commissioners. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they'd have to work closely with their county commissioners uh, to get something approved if if they wanted to do something like that. If they felt like there was the need based upon their professional opinion.
1: And, and it's worth noting, <clears throat> as of right now, there's only one vaccine, and it's only approved for twelve to eighteen. There, there is no vaccine approved for under the age of twelve, anyway. That's, correct. that's correct. Yes. So, yeah. Um, do you guys spend any time in board meeting talking about this, knowing that you really can't do much, uh, uh, Laura?
3: We do spend time in every board meeting talking about COVID. has been on the topic for since, you know, what, a year ago, March or so. Um, it is definitely something that we go over. Where are we at? What can we do better? Um, how can we make improvements? You know, where are our teachers at? Where are our students at? What are we seeing in trends? Mm-hmm. We the, talk about it all the time.
2: The board has, has spent a, a tremendous amount of time and energy looking at things we can control in the district. And so they, they've put a, a lot of uh, money towards helping sanitize the schools, making sure the schools have the equipment necessary so we can provide as safe of as an in- as safe an environment as possible that whether that's from providing masks providing hand sanitizer providing the the uh, disinfectant that comes on for the deep cleaning throughout the weekend and the machines that do that that they've done a lot of time looking at the things they can control so that again our buildings are as safe as we can be.
3: well and and for lunch when we had elementary lunch in particular they staggered their grade levels coming down so there weren't so many children in the lunchroom at one time, we've kept doing that oh, okay. in most schools that I'm aware of. So that has been a benefit that's helped.
2: Something we've learned that's worked out well,
3: yes. Yep.
1: That's actually one of the <coughs> questions I was going uh, to ask next. If I went to uh, an elementary school, Washington Elementary, or I went over to Crimson Cliffs High School or whatever, would I notice that there's a pandemic still going or is it pretty much normal now? I, I don't know if you guys saw any of the football games this weekend or were or, or part of them. Full crowds. Uh, it was as if there never was a pandemic if you watched any of the college football games. You know,
2: it, it is pretty well normal. I, I would think if you were to go into our schools at the football game, it, it looks like it's pretty well normal. You might see a handful of people with masks. And mm-hmm. likewise, in our schools, you might see a handful of people with masks. And we welcome that. Awesome. Any
1: thoughts, Laura? On that? No,
3: I, I agree with that. I, I think you would see a lot of what's normal, but I also think people are more aware. I think just that awareness that we have now that maybe we're a little more germ conscious, if you will. Mm-hmm. A little more hand sanitizing, a little more hand washing going on, a little more if I'm sick, I should stay home. Before, you know, it was, okay, I'm going to go into work, I'm going to go to school, even though I don't feel very well. We would really encourage people to stay home if they don't feel well. And that should be the new norm. If you don't feel well, you should stay home.
1: Mm. And yet we, we were raised, you know, our generation, Laura, yep. was raised, tough it out, yep. suck it up, get to work, get your job done.
3: Yep. And we're kind of saying maybe that's not such a good idea.
1: <laughs> it probably never was such a good idea, but we did it anyway, didn't we? Darn it. Okay. Well, well good. All right. I'm glad, I'm glad to see that you guys talk about it because uh, I, I think it needs to be there. I, I think we need, you know, Steve, you're talking about working with the public health department and stuff. It, it's crucial.
2: Oh, it's very crucial. In fact, it's not something that has ever gone away. In fact, the meetings are still regular. Uh, Superintendent Bergeson meets regularly with a committee, including the health department, including officials from IHC down here, uh, so that they can discuss what is our current situation, what can we be doing to help, how can we support, because we want to be a good community partner. We, We want to work with them and understand how this pandemic is affecting all of
3: us. You know, and and the one thing the pandemic has taught us, too, is that everything doesn't have to be the way it's been in the past. We should take the opportunity with the pandemic to look at things differently. How can we do things better? What can we improve? What can we turn upside down and look at differently? Um, The pandemic provided that opportunity.
1: Not a good thing, but a good good motivator right. anyway to right. to get better at certain things. A
2: necessary motivator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Uh, you talked about something, Laura, a little while, or maybe it was Steve talked about a little while ago, and, and it's it's a tough topic to uh, to broach. Uh, it, it, it's you know suicide with amongst our young people. Uh, it i didn 't have numbers to back it up, but it felt like that when we had the lockdowns, and when kids weren 't going to school and they weren 't socializing with their friends, it felt like the numbers went up uh, i don 't know if that i don 't know if we have stats to back that up or not, but I know that suicide among young people has become way too viable an option as I had a friend of mine come in and say yeah it 's a, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem you,
2: you know that 's very accurate and, and it 's concerning when you see children struggle in the ways they're struggling. And so we have really encouraged both the students in our schools, as well as their parents to download the safe UT app. I have it on my phone. It's something that provides an instant resource for a child in crisis. They can Reach out, and there's somebody there 24-7 to chat with, to talk with. Or uh, you can report if you feel like your friend needs some additional help, and you can do it anonymously, and it goes to a professional that can, can provide that resource back to us where we can get help to the person in need. That is, that is such a valuable thing that we can, we can adapt to and, and utilize. Um, we really want the students to be involved with that. We did see an uptick in, like I say, suicide attempts when, the, when this pandemic first started. And when we got back to school, unfortunately, we did see a situation where we had uh, students reporting concerns from the home where there was an uptick in abuse. Uh, hmm. Those frustrations, everybody was bottled up for those many months. And, and those frustrations, unfortunately, came out on the children at times.
1: What what is the protocol when there is a, a suicide in a school so let's let's say a high school uh obviously a tragic event a horrible event that happens is there a a standard protocol that that the school district goes through when something like that happens there is a standard protocol that evolves very quickly.
2: We have a crisis team that works with, uh, so you have your school counselors on site. We have a crisis team to help augment that and talk to any of the students that, that need additional support, to talk to staff members that need support. We also work with helping any siblings in, in other schools as well as friends of those siblings in other schools because there's a trickle-down effect from, mm-hmm. from one child choosing to take their life that is very far reaching. And and so we try to get out as fast as we can to stop those ripples from getting too big in any one location.
1: And and by the way, suicide is not a new problem. Uh, I didn't mean to imply that. Uh, When I was in high school, I think it was my junior year, uh, three friends had decided they were all going to kill themselves on the same night. And uh, one succeeded one tried and failed and the other one just didn't do it he decided against it and and this was we're talking about 1982 83 so it's not like in fact maybe the only thing that's changed about suicide is we talk about it now and back then it was taboo nobody said anything about it
3: that is what has changed is we do talk about mental health issues much more today than we did before in in our day we didn't talk about it like you said it just it wasn't something that you acknowledged it wasn't something you talked about or asked or even told you know your parent or your adult another adult in your life how you were feeling about things but today we're really trying to help students understand and work through mental health issues
2: and i think it's important that we do talk about it because as we continue to open up and shed light on the subject people will realize that there is a challenge there is a problem there One of the things we've really learned is that if a child is in crisis, most of the time if you are willing to work with them for a short period of time, you can get them through that crisis to where they've de-escalated and they're not in a situation where they're looking to take their life. Really it's the first 10 or 15 minutes. And so if they have a friend they can talk to, which is why the safe UT app we talk about, there's somebody live that will talk to them and, and communicate with them and they can go back and forth with to take that time, that 10 or 15 minutes to deescalate the situation and it, and it provides a lifeline that gets them through that moment of, of uh, snap judgment where they want to take their life and, and, and really realize that, oh, hey, maybe this isn't what
1: I want to do.
3: And I also believe, Steve, that um, don't all of our high schools have the Hope Squad?
1: Yes. Yes, yes they do. I love the Hope Squad, for sure. Uh, one of the things that uh, Teresa, you guys know Teresa Willie, right? Yep. Southwest Utah Behavioral Health it's a long title anyway uh one of the things when i I was working with her last year was she said you know uh i'm we're not anti-gun we're not anti-firearms but lock your firearms up because like you were saying steve the first 10 or 15 minutes are so crucial when this when this young person is in crisis if there's a gun readily available they can walk into mom and dad's bedroom and grab a gun that i mean that right there is is you know they're in crisis in 10 minutes, they may not be in crisis, but you've made that gun so accessible. So, I, I mean, I'm a big advocate of, I think we all, I personally, I, I, I believe in carrying a gun, but I also believe they need to be locked up, not just for your toddler who might stumble upon a gun, but because uh, in every home there's a possibility where a gun could be used for not so great things.
2: I think so. you're exactly right. Always secure those weapons. And, and again, it's not just for those toddlers. The, these kids will go through crisis, and it's, and it's amazing what will throw them into that crisis situation.
3: And it's good that, we've, that we're talking about it, Yeah, that it's an okay subject to talk about now.
1: <laughs> it, it used to be, Laura. You're right. It used to be. Well, in fact, there was a, a strong belief back you know, 30 years ago that if you talked about suicide, more people were going to do it. Oh, you can't talk about it because if you say it, then it's going to give somebody an idea and they're going to do it. We found that actually is not true right. at all. In fact, if anything, it's, it's the opposite. If we talk about it and talk about the fact that it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem and, and uh, putting your guns away and stuff like right. that uh, can really, really make make a huge difference.
3: We also want to help the parents have resources mm-hmm. to be able to know what to do themselves. So that I mean, all of our kids didn't come with an owner's manual, no, a how-to manual.
1: Not. No, they did not.
3: And <laughs> so we need help as parents on how to work through some of these issues because we don't know. And so we want to be able to provide some of those uh, resources in the district through the counseling department. They're working on those things.
1: Well said. Well said. Steve, I've got to get a commercial break in and we'll come back. Hey? That's perfect. Uh, hang in there. We're talking Washington County Schools. We'll take your questions. I've got a couple of texts and an email I want to get to uh, with uh, Laura Hessen and Steve Dunham from the Washington County School District. Real quick, thank you so much to Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney sponsoring this show, uh, well, since I've been here two and a half years. Uh, Joe Shoney is a loan consultant and his idea is... Look, uh, anybody can be a loan consultant, but not anybody can take care of their customers, can, can really cater to them all along the way and let them know exactly what's going on. Uh, I would encourage you to call Joe Shoney. Uh, online reviews, 566 of them, and the average is an amazing 4.91 out of 5 stars. I wish my grades were that good in school. Anyway, give Joe a call today at 435-590-6300. We'll be back in two minutes.
0: Did he really say that? It's the Andy Griffin Show. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader.
1: Thanks for tuning in today, 952. So we're just about done with the program. I did want to mention this Saturday the city is honoring... Uh, first responders and their families with the Remembering 9-11 sh- uh, program. It's Saturday in the park right there at Historic Down- Town Square downtown. Uh, it is free to everyone. Uh, everyone's invited to the patriotic event to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the attacks of 9-11, which includes music, speakers, and kids' activities. Head out to the park, 9-30 to 11 this Saturday, and like I said, it's absolutely free. We've got uh, Steve Dunham and Laura Hessen from the Washington County School District. Laura's on the board. Steve is uh, full-time employed, mm-hmm. making buttloads of money or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Steve, again, thanks for coming on the show. I had a, a, an email talking about Castle or Cassell, uh, and uh, I was going to read it, but my phone went to sleep on me. Uh, how is it Cassell? Is it Castle or Cassell?
2: I, I think it's Cassell I'm not positive of myself actually.
1: Second step in social emotional learning program being implemented in our district classrooms is there a survey being distributed today in our classrooms and I can follow up with more in a second to answer if you want to answer those questions. Sure,
2: we we began social and emotional learning several years ago because mm-hmm. we found that students are not able to a recognize their emotions and understand how to cope with their emotions. Okay. And so What social and emotional learning helps students to do the way we implement it is helping students to recognize emotions, how to cope with those emotions, and how to uh, self-regulate. I think that's the term everybody talks about, self-regulate. Prior to this, we had students that would classrooms literally they would go into little rages and they would yes and they would flip desks they would flip tables they would swipe stuff off at the desk the teacher's desk and so we began with our uh, wellness rooms in our classrooms well and that progressed into social and emotional learning so that we can help students learn that they have specific some emotions it's okay to have those emotions right (coughs) excuse me and to recognize when those emotions are coming on so they can then learn how to self-regulate those emotions. And that's what we do with social emotional learning. We implement that in the classroom. There there is a, uh, a concerns from people have heard about Second Step how oh it does this, it does that. What we have done here in Washington County is we have specifically gone through all of the curriculum that Second Step offers and we have picked the parts that we feel is best for us to implement. Right. We have left out those things that are controversial and we have reviewed every single thing that is uh, taught through second step, the social emotional learning because there is a lot of good in there and it's making a big difference. It's reducing the amount of times that children are tossing classrooms that are they're out of the classroom in these these rages or these these tantrums, so to speak, and they're learning to cope with their emotions de-escalate and get back into the classroom so that they can go back to learning. And so it's really a beneficial thing. I, I know people want to put it all in a box that it's not good because it has a few bad things. And what I would like to convey is we have gone through, we have picked out the good things and we're utilizing those good things so that we can make a difference in the lives of these children.
1: Well said. Uh, Laura, uh, there was a video a month or so ago about a lady up in Lehigh, a teacher who decided she was going to turn her class into her own little private uh, podium and, and preach her beliefs and, and kind of get the kids to, well, I mean, some of her things, your parents are dumb, you know. Uh, uh, do you guys have concerns in your school district? Is, is there... Uh, instruction given to the teachers that you know you you are hired to teach a certain thing and yes you have freedom within that certain thing but if you go off script too far you might find yourself in hot water
3: oh yes absolutely there there would be consequences just like there were for her Mm -hmm. um as well it's probably a um you know a a good resource to use as a training video of what not to do Mm. so you
2: you know and i think like just any job you have a professional decorum that you have to maintain when you're working Right. And and likewise, our teachers have to do that. They there are very clear boundaries
1: set where they cannot cross those boundaries. You know what's what's funny is I remember in now it wasn't the the topic that she went into, but I remember in high school some of my teachers you know giving their own personal philosophy on stuff. That was a long time ago now, but uh, I wonder if things were different if I'd had a phone to record them. What what might have changed in now in in cur- current times compared to back then? Yeah, you would have had to have had a video camera on your shoulder and a side
2: pack at your hip <laughs> right. to, a big to giant record one. them. Yeah.
1: Right. They wouldn't have no idea I was filming that. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, we're down to the last two minutes. Laura, was there anything uh, from the board meeting or anything that you wanted to bring up that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet today?
3: Well, I do actually want to make a plug for we need to hire more paraprofessionals in the schools. Okay. And also some more bus drivers. Oh. So if any, anybody out there is wanting to have a part-time job to help in the classrooms to be a paraprofessional, We've got several openings for those. And
1: real quickly, a paraprofessional would be like a teacher's aide, right? Someone okay. that helps maybe kids learn to read or whatever, whatever it might be.
3: Whatever it might be. There's different um, functions in the school that they would need the paraprofessionals for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also in need of some bus drivers. They just um, increased the bus driver's salary. So it's still part-time, but, you know, flexible as far as it doesn't take the whole day. So if you have a few extra hours um, and it's not bad pay then I would just really encourage we need some paraprofessionals and bus drivers.
1: So go to Washington, washk12.org. I was getting there. Perfect. (laughs) perfect. Washk12.org if you're interested in either of those things. You
2: you know, and bus driver pay really has, we have increased it. it. It's $19.11 an hour starting. And we'll train you. We'll help you get your CDL so that you can be a driver. And like Laura said, even if we had a, a couple of mothers that wanted to share the same route, we would work with you. So that way, you know, if one wanted to take it one day while the other watched the kids and then the other they wanted to swap the next day, we'll work with you to make that happen. We really want to get more bus drivers in and we're willing to be flexible and help. So whether you want morning or afternoon, we'll be flexible. We'll work with you.
1: Does that include training, or do they have to yes. have already? Yeah. Oh, no, that the includes the training. training. Oh, cool. We'll awesome. train
2: you. We'll help you get your CDL, which is a commercial driver's license. We'll help you pass the test that, that's required for that. We'll do that all. We, we would just love you to consider that. And likewise with paraprofessionals. Yeah. We really need those in the classroom. We're hiring about 50, so we'd love wow. about 50 of
1: those, uh, uh, more than 10 bus drivers. Yep. We're out of time. Laura, thanks for coming oh, in thank today. thank you for having us. Steve, great to see you as always. Andy, you're the best. Uh, The Andy Griffin Show continues tomorrow. It is Mayor Thursday. Mayor Randall will be in. We'll see you then.